Welcome to the Super Jump Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Mitchell Farley Wolf, and I'm here with editor in chief of the Super Jump Magazine, James Burns. How's it going, oh, James? That was not that was not a test. Okay. No, Hello. that was not a test. We're going. <laughs> We're running. It Hello. tested Hello. well, so we kept going. Uh, very good. Uh, we're also here with editor at large at Super Jump Magazine, Wyatt Donigan. How's it going, Wyatt? I'm doing pretty well. Doing pretty well. I, I've realized that I always say your name, Wyatt, like uh, like a uh, Saturday Night Live yeah. contestant, <laughs> like Bobby Moynihan. Yeah. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Makes yeah. me feel like you know, like we're in the big time here. Yeah, there's just there's just something about the syllabic nature of your name that makes me want to go full New York with it. So this is this is the Super Jump podcast. We have a really interesting show for you today. Um, I I always say that, but sometimes I mean it. And that this is one of those days. We have a lot of uh, things that directly contradict what we talked about in last week's episode. Um, like too many corrections to name, so we'll just have to go through it. Uh, get excited for that. But first, before any of that, let's just jump right into the Playtime Report. Hey, so this little game called Red Dead Redemption 2 came out. Who played it? I played it. James, <laughs> how did you, how did you like it? Uh, it's awesome. I mean, uh, there's been, it feels like there's been so much written about it over the last few weeks um it's it's kind of hard to say anything new about it but i feel like the the one big observation and this is something that that people are having very different reactions to is the fact that you've got this big crazy detailed open world game and the game completely sort of throws a lot of like open world tropes out the window especially when it comes to convenience. So, I mean, everyone's heard that, you know, this game is pretty realistic. It's got sure, yeah. this, you know, really detailed animation and everything. And it definitely, like, prioritizes that realism over convenience, which some people really seem to hate, but I'm actually enjoying it a lot. Um, it creates these, like it creates these dilemmas that you just don't have in any other game. Like, for example, I was playing it the other day and I did something really stupid. I I was riding my horse past this property and I decided, oh yeah, I'll go and check that out. That looks interesting. There's a guy sitting on the front porch, you know, like polishing his shotgun. And <laughs> so I went up to him to say hello. He straight away gets up out of his chair, walks over to me, aims his shotgun at my face sure. and tells me to get off his property. Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> get off my property. And I'm like, as we all do. Yeah. And I'm like, hang on, man. It's okay. I'm just trying to say hello. And you can, you can do like a greeting, but if you piss someone off, you can either antagonize them or you can try and defuse the situation. So I'm like, no, 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 it's okay. It's okay. Like, I'm just visiting. It's all right. And he's like, he starts walking toward me and, and I'm backing away on my horse as I'm trying to like talk him down. And he's like, I'm telling you, get off my property. You know, like he's getting more and more angry. 
So, of course, I decide to be a, a total dick and I, like, r- try to ride around him in circles and, you know, <laughs> see what he's going to do. Uh, big mistake. I cop a shotgun shot, point-blank range, <laughs> go flying off my horse. I end up deciding that I can't let the situation stand. Like, I've got to now kill him and I've got to kill a nearby witness who saw me kill him. Because, of sure. course, he's seen my face, right? So does that, wait, hang on. Does that matter? If, if it does a witness... matter. Oh, okay. Yes, wow. Absolutely. So what happens is like if you, if someone witnesses you commit a crime, they'll suddenly become flagged on your map and they'll basically try and, and run to the law and report you. If you, if you were identifiable, so if you weren't wearing a, weren't wearing a mask or anything, they actually know what you look like. They'll give you a description to the authorities and the authorities will come looking for you. And because you've been seen, they will remember who you are. So it's not like you lose the heat and then it's just gone forever. They'll actually wow. remember you. Um, so that happens with witnesses. But also this guy that I've pissed off, like especially once he started shooting at me, I had the choice of either, you know, do I, do I take him out? at some risk or do I try and run away, which is also risky because now he knows who I am and he's going to go to the authorities. Um, I love how we've, we've reached this kind of, I I wouldn't even call it an uncanny Valley in video games with realism. We're, We're at this dichotomy between being so realistic that the people around you remember you and can like run to the law and have moral quandaries about whether or not to turn you in. But also, we have NPCs acting in ways that really don't make any sense. Like no one, no one would actually <laughs> act like that guy that told you to get off his your your property, even in in the 1870s American Southwest. Like, yeah, some even guy there, rolls up on a horse and he's just like, "Hey, I'm gonna pull out my shotgun on you." Yeah, even then, someone who's in that situation would at least say, "Hey, I don't like you being here. Why are you here? Let's like have a conversation." Um, well, look, I I probably <laughs> left out a small detail, which is that I did roll up in the middle of the night. Mm, uh, okay, so you know, it was a little questionable on my part. And to be fair, I was the one, you know, shit staring and riding around him on my horse. So after he'd warned me to leave. <laughs> So really, <laughs> he was a completely reasonable man, and <laughs> I was the dickhead who uh, <laughs> who rightly copped it. But okay, fair thing, enough. Yeah, the, never, never, that might that might actually happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I actually, I I did feel really bad after it because after I killed him and the witness, the game then warned me that you know if I leave the bodies out in the open, the authorities may see them and may investigate. So. I'd done this complete, you know, I was going back home to my camp, by the way, I got distracted by this guy. And (laughs) so I now had to pick up both bodies and drag them into the woods so that no one would see them. But while this is all happening, my horse got spooked and ran away and it ran away far enough that it couldn't hear me whistling. So here I was in the middle of nowhere at a crime scene of my own making with no horse and with no fast travel system 
thinking, okay, what the hell do I do now? I can't <laughs> just I can't just get my iPhone out. Like, how do I get home? And it was actually a real like logistical dilemma of how do I get home? And uh, so that whole situation I feel is pretty unique to Red Dead Redemption Two. <laughs> yeah, sure. It, it it reminds me of again like when we were sorry everyone. <laughs> when Breath of the Wild first came out, people would be like telling these these crazy stories about how the mechanics interacted. And this seems to be coming up again with Red Dead Redemption 2, but instead of it being system based, it, it's all very narrative, which is uh impressive. It's it's impressive that a, a video game can hit that level of openness with its narrative that uh other video games could only really do with its mechanics. So very very cool there. Yeah, and it's it's very one thing they do really well is you can see those situations and you can be kind of looking for the seams. You know, once you've played long enough, you can kind of look for or, or start to notice the way that certain scripted events might be triggered. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are certainly things that happen in the world that are if you play long enough that sort of repeat themselves, but. I think what what they did really well here is they kind of have this it's hard to describe but they kind of have this layer of abstraction over everything and it's it's very hard to tell whether the encounter you're having was always planned for you and was always going to happen at that time because it feels so uh, structured but on the other hand the game makes it feel very um, makes these scenarios feel very coincidental. Um, you know, like you'll you'll walk into a saloon, you're not really doing a mission or anything, and something will happen that will set off this whole chain of events that kind of feel scripted, but it's very hard to see the seams. And so they've somehow they've added this abstraction that makes the game feel that much more realistic. It's, it's actually kind of hard to see the puppet strings behind everything, which is really interesting. Yeah. Wow. I, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, let's move right along. Wyatt, you've been playing Diablo three on switch. I take it. This is probably not your first time playing Diablo three. Correct. Yeah. I played it, um, when it first came out, like was it six years ago or something like that a long time ago um and then i kind of felt i didn't really play it a lot after like my initial few playthroughs um but when i saw that the switch version was coming out i was like this feels kind of perfect because then i can just like sit on the couch play it while i'm watching tv or whatever um so i picked it up yesterday and i probably played a good like eight ish hours since like last night um it's incredibly fun. Uh, it kind of—I was wondering how it was going to feel playing it with a controller versus having a mouse and having a keyboard with all like the keybinds and everything. But it actually is surprisingly—it feels natural. Actually, um, it feels more like a like an action RPG where you're actually kind of controlling the character more so than a point and click, which is kind of like how the old Diablo feels, where you're just like clicking you know, millions of times or whatever through a playthrough. Um, so it, it was, it feels really good. Um, it's been a lot of fun. So if you've never played Diablo or if you played it before and you kind of looking for something new, definitely I would recommend it because it's got all the, uh, all the DLC and it has the season mode in there as well. 
um, in the adventure mode. So it's a full, full Diablo 3 experience just on a handheld. And it looks pretty good as well. Um, handheld, I think it runs like 720, uh, but it looks really good. And even on the, on like putting it on your TV, it looks fairly good as well. Obviously it's not going to look like it does on PC, but for a Switch port, like it's, it's pretty good. Sure. Uh, because we have more about Diablo to talk about later in the episode, we're going to move on for now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I have played... I played a little bit of Super Mario Party uh, since the last episode. I played a little bit of Sea of Thieves since the last episode. I have a feeling that those two things... I'll, I'll probably just kind of constantly have some play experience within the last month or so. Um, but the new thing... I played since the last episode, and it's very new. It came out on Halloween, which, as of recording, is some some number of days ago. I, I just remembered <laughs> that it's not good to do that on a podcast. Uh, by the time this game rele- or this podcast releases, it'll be a week old. Uh, it's called Delta Room. So, um, to- Toby Fox, the day before Halloween, Toby Fox is the uh, the designer of undertale he put out a tweet saying hey there's a um there's there's a survey that's going out tomorrow i need everyone to download this interactive survey uh and and give me some feedback and everyone felt really weird about that because like why do you download a survey like why what's what's that all about um sure enough the next day rolls along it comes out you download it and it starts as an interactive survey, and then it quickly becomes a game called Deltarune, which is an anagram for Undertale, and also a prequel to Undertale. He just shadow dropped a prequel to Undertale out of nowhere for free. Um, <laughs> now, it is an episodic game, and this is just the first episode. Uh, Toby Fox has clarified that uh, well, once all the mystique about like what it actually was was out of the way, he clarified that the remaining episodes of Deltarune would be released all at once uh, for like a a price, so it, it wouldn't just be free. This this first episode is the only free one, um, but for what this is, that's amazing. <laughs> I was so excited. Um, I, I am a huge fan of Undertale, and to have this game just show up for free, <laughs> that another game in that series, I don't think I've ever had another experience like that in my life. That was great. Uh, yeah, that's yeah, pretty that's nuts. really cool. Yeah. Um, so, the, the main difference in this game from Undertale, um, well, there are, there are a number of them, but the, the primary big difference is that it's a party-based rpg um so you have multiple characters that you're playing as you're not just one guy you're mostly just one guy but um you you also have uh, a great dinosaur dragon friend named Susie, and a mage-like character named uh Raziel or Ralzi, something like that. Uh, I can't remember that guy's name for the life of me. And I don't want to get too in-depth with the the story, because it's for free. You don't need to play Undertale in order to play this. And it only takes you, like, four hours to do it. So everyone listening, like, you you don't really have an excuse. Go do it. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, it was just so great. <laughs> um, it, it's don't expect something on the scope of Undertale. Undertale also took around four or five hours, but Undertale itself, I think, is a much bigger game with a lot more uh, options for doing things than the first Delta uh, episode of Delta Rune. This is clearly like just the first part of a much bigger thing. But that that said, like wow, the, you you get it, you just get another one. Um I didn't think he'd ever do anything else in the Undertale series. So that's going on. I'm going to be writing a review type thing for the first episode of Delta Rune. So expect that later on the uh Super Jump magazine website. I'll I'll be writing that I uh, haven't quite started on it, but I, I want to make sure I, I know how I feel about it in total yet. Have, are you guys going to try this out? Have you played the I'll first Undertale? I'll take a look at it. I, I haven't. You um, have not? But I have not. I've heard great things about it. Like, I know you guys have talked about it quite a bit. Um, so I haven't played that one yet, but this sounds interesting. I remember when it dropped the other day and everybody was like, Everyone was like, "Oh my god! Like, what is this? It's crazy!" Um, so it sounds really interesting, and it sounds and the fact that like you can play it without having played Undertale first is very intriguing. So I'll probably check it out this week for sure. Cool. Yeah, yeah. my my understanding is um, from just the bits and pieces I've heard uh, is that you really need to have finished Undertale first. Is that is that right? Um, I would say no. I, I would definitely say no. I, I it's Toby Fox describes it as a game you play when you finish Undertale. Uh like in, in response to the question, is this a sequel, a side universe thing, a prequel? And he just says, It's a game you play when you finish Undertale. Um I would say it's clearly a prequel, and also you don't need to play Undertale. Which is a pretty strong disagreement, <laughs> uh, especially for me, who's just a person versus the guy that made it. So maybe don't take my word for it, but I feel like you're fine. It okay. doesn't have much to do with like the core story of the original game. Hmm. Yeah, it, it it's very uh, it it's very much within its own universe. So that's that's all that happened for the Playtime Report. Let's head into the Newsy Nibble. Oops. <laughs> False alarm. Uh, James, you played Luigi's Mansion 3DS? <laughs> <laughs> I did, yeah. I, I'm actually almost finished um, Luigi's Mansion on 3DS. We This was... It's kind of weird, actually. Like, this was randomly sent to us by Nintendo. They sent a physical copy. Oh, great. Um, they, they'll sometimes offer a code or something, but usually, you know, usually we need to request a specific game for review. Um, so this was already in the mail when I got the email from them saying, hey, this is about to arrive. Nice. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... Just to give a bit of background on it, it's it's a port handled by Grezzo, who are kind of famous for doing really, really awesome 3DS kind of remakes of, of older Nintendo games. They did the the two big Zelda ports right. to 3DS, which were pretty amazing, I thought. 
Um, and they also, I think they also made Ever Oasis, which is one of their kind of their own IPs. Um, they so they're behind this one, um, and in most respects, it kind of looks better than the GameCube original. Uh, from what I've seen, like it looks like they've pretty much remodeled everything and retextured everything from the ground up for 3DS, which is really cool. Um, and I mean, there's not much to say. It's it's the same game as the original. There are a couple of kind of small things they've done uh, in terms of content on the 3DS that are a little bit different. I think the big, the two big changes are um, there's a multiplayer, I think it's like a local multiplayer mode where one of you plays as Luigi and one of you plays as Gooigi. Yeah. <laughs> which yeah, is like a bad dad joke. Um, so I haven't <laughs> tried that mode yet. I'm not quite sure how multiplayer would feel in this kind of game. Um, and the, I think the other big change is like, you know, the original GameCube version required the dual sticks, you know, one stick to move Luigi and one to kind of aim the flashlight and the vacuum. And they've accommodated for that in a couple of ways on the 3ds like you can use the little nub which is which is kind of okay i'm not really a big fan of it i find it kind of annoying um but there's also like i think there's two or three different control options so you can use kind of the internal gyroscopic um controls of the 3ds to look around um there's there's a few different things they've done to try and um, and retain that really smooth control on the 3DS. And for the most part, it works pretty well. Like it'll, if you've played the original, it'll take a little bit of getting used to. Um, it's just cool to have this game on the 3DS, I think. Like I, I haven't played, I hadn't played the original since it came out on the GameCube as a launch title. Um, so it was really a pleasure to go back to it. I, I'd kind of forgotten that it was a fairly big game as well. Like, yeah, it's all set in the one mansion, but it's actually quite a quite a big game. So, um, I, I've really been enjoying it. It's a really awesome port. Like, they've they've really put a lot of care and attention to it, as they've done with all of their 3DS ports. Do you think it? Um, do do you would you say this is a worthwhile? thing to have done for 3ds at this stage i know a lot of people are much more insistent that it should have been a switch game what do you think about that argument yeah it's it's a tricky one because i mean i'm i'm definitely more excited about luigi's mansion 3 on switch that's going to be awesome i think but um you know, I think if you if you own a 3DS and obviously the releases are starting to dry up a little bit now, there's not a huge amount of stuff on the horizon. This is a game that I imagine a lot of people probably missed. You know, there'll be a lot of people who own a 3DS that never never had a GameCube. So it's kind of one of those classics that everyone should play, I think. And also if you're into the 3d aspect if you if you play your games in 3d and i know some people don't like that um it works really well with a game like luigi's mansion because you really get that kind of little diorama feeling from the game the fact that it's in the mansion the kind of 
semi-isometric perspective, um, it it works really well in terms of creating that sort of diorama effect. Cool. So it's kind of a... It feels like a natural fit for the 3DS in some ways. Interesting, yeah. Um, cool. I... You know, this is one of those things that, like, I look at and I think, I might have fun with that. I like the original game a lot. There's there's no way I'm getting this game. I, I don't know... <laughs> I don't know yeah. how I could convince myself to get myself... Um, a 3DS game that's like this at this point in time mm. or going forward. Mm. You know? Yeah, and it's probably like if if we hadn't received a copy, I don't know. I mean, I was interested in it, but I don't know that I would have gone out and and bought it. You, you were know? hot off that Luigi's Mansion 2 hype. You were you were really into that <laughs> that sequel. Yeah, I, I, well, I haven't finished the sequel either, so oh. <laughs> it's like, you know, I'm, I'm partway through the sequel and then I get the original and now I've got to finish the original and play the sequel. It's a, it's a complex world, Mitchell. What sure, sure. <laughs> well, speaking of that complex world and speaking of my near unstoppable propensity for segues that just aren't that good, let's head right into the newsy nibble. <laughs> So, BlizzCon happened. Wyatt, you covered it for the website you write for. Why don't we have you lead us through some of these bullet points about BlizzCon? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah, I think I want to go a little bit out of order sure. to what we have on here. Um, so, for World of Warcraft uh, fans, that we knew they announced World of Warcraft Classic last year at BlizzCon, um, which that basically is... World of Warcraft has seen a lot of changes in the, what, 15 years, 14 years that it's been out. Right. Um, and a lot of people are always kind of having those rose-colored glasses about the good old days of WoW Vanilla before any of the expansions came out because leveling was different. Items worked differently. Um, basically, a lot of the systems were vastly different from how they are now. So Blizzard... And then there was also this big thing because this group, I forget their name, um, they started they made WoW Legacy servers. They basically bought, like, they... Because Blizzard had auctioned off a lot of the old servers um, from back in the day for, like, the original WoW. So somebody had gotten a hold of those. They took the code and basically rebuilt the original WoW vanilla in an on, a, on an unofficial basis. And Blizzard, you know, they don't like when people do things like that, even if it's something that the community really wanted. And the, the people weren't trying to be malicious. They weren't getting money from it or anything like that. It was just something that people could play. But Blizzard didn't like that, so they shut it down. Um, actually, there was a whole lawsuit and everything. It was it was very, very messy. Um, but to appease those fans, they announced an official version called uh, WoW Classic that'll kind of dial back the clocks to the original days of WoW. Um, so that got announced last year. And then we got a release date for that that's going to be coming summer of 2019, which is actually a lot sooner than I was expecting. Because Blizzard is notorious for kind of taking forever with things, and especially something kind of of this magnitude, I was expecting like a 2020 release or so. So, is it a harder thing to do? Is it something of a high magnitude? Because I would have assumed that if it's just classic, it literally would be the code they already wrote for the original game back in the day. Just that's true. That's up. true. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it's probably just that I always just assume that Blizzard's going to take forever to do anything. Um, <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It, it, it probably is, because I mean, like, because I remember when that when they announced that, they had kind of joked around. They were like, oh, remember those things we auctioned off? Like, if some of you guys could give those back, that'd be really nice, um, so that they could kind of get their hands on that. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I guess it, it does kind of make sense that it, it shouldn't take too long, which is, that was my initial thought when they announced it last year. I was like, all right, you know, that shouldn't be too hard. But given that, you know, Blizzard just kind of drags their feet and they do things on, I mean, they even called it Blizzard time whenever they're announcing things. They're like, yeah, you know, it's going to come out when it's ready and all that kind of stuff. So, um, so if you're a WoW fan, that's cool. Um, I was into WoW for a little bit, but not so much anymore. So, um, so that'll, you know, That'll probably entice some people to come back because it's part of the normal subscriptions. You don't need to buy anything else extra. So okay. that's cool for WoW fans. Um, and then... Will there be any interactivity between WoW Classic and the current version of WoW? Like, could you use the same character across both? Or I don't believe so. Okay. Um, they haven't really gone into the specific details of how exactly it's going to work. But how I imagine that it'll work is... When you fire up the, well, actually, I think it's gonna have a separate client. Like, if anybody has like the Battle.net launcher, you know, it has all the games listed out there. I think WoW Classic, even though it'll use the same subscription, I think it's gonna have its own kind of like box that you'll download, um, just to kind of keep things separate, so that way people don't try and move characters over and all that kind of stuff. Because since there are gonna be classes that are around now that weren't around back then. All the abilities are different, so, you know, if they're going to really do strictly, you know, what was around then and having the abilities kind of be different as well, um, I'd imagine that they just want to kind of keep that separate. If not, then it'll just be like an extra character at the character select screen. Cool. Yeah. Uh, What else was there? Um, So, going along with Warcraft, so Warcraft 3 is going to get remastered. Cool. So... Um, that's actually pretty exciting because I, I love the old school RTS um, Blizzard games. I love StarCraft, um, loved Warcraft. So, you know, they did the remaster of StarCraft. Um, I believe that was last year when they announced that. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it, it wasn't announced at BlizzCon, but it was announced like during 2017 at some point. Um, so they did that. So it, it was a natural progression that they would also do Warcraft 3. So that's coming. Although I'm sure some people were kind of disappointed that it wasn't Warcraft 4 because while remasters are nice, I do believe, and this is something that we'll get to when we kind of talk about some of the other kind of things that clunked at BlizzCon, but I, I think Blizzard needs something new at this point, but um, but I'll go into more in depth with that in a second. Um, so yeah, like it's Warcraft 3. Uh, Reforge is what it's called. It's going to be, it's pretty cool though. It's got an updated map editor, um, which, you know, for those who don't really know, that's how the MOBA genre started. So League of Legends, Dota, Heroes of the Storm, those things wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Warcraft 3. Because right. in Warcraft 3, people made Defense of the Ancients, um, which was like an original, it was old. It was just uh, somebody who took the map and used the map editor. And they created this game that was a very bare-bones version of kind of what we know now as MOBA. But that just kind of evolved over time, and it turned into League of Legends, which is a global phenomenon that just had 200 million people in China watching the finals. So 
Um, so that'll be pretty cool. So we'll see what people come up with. There's always, like, if you go through, like, the StarCraft editor, there's always fun stuff in there. Just random things that shouldn't really exist, but it, they do because people just kind of mess around with the with what the the game gives you. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so... It, it looks like there were some new characters announced for various Blizzard games. Um, yeah. So, for Overwatch, there was a new uh, cowgirl-type bandit character named Ash. And for Heroes of the Storm, there's a, uh, a person by the name of Orphea. And these characters are both pretty important because Orphea is the first um, original character in Heroes of the Storm. Heroes of the Storm is like a Smash Bros. for Blizzard, so... Having mm-hmm. uh, a character that was, in, in their words, she's born in the Nexus, mm-hmm. uh, which means just from Heroes of the Storm first and foremost. That's that's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. I, uh, she's like the 80th character or something in the game, so it, it's interesting that they've decided to do that now after so many other characters in the game. Uh, yeah, and then, it was. Oh yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say it, at this point, it's almost as though they're kind of running out of things to do because. They've already added in so many Overwatch characters. They've already added in char- like all the major characters from the franchises. So if you were to add in more from like WoW, you'd be digging super deep into the lore to the point where people probably wouldn't know about them. So sure, yeah. they're probably just like, well, rather than doing that, let's just make someone new that literally no one knows. So then it's not a big deal. Yeah, there was a similar thing that happened to Smash Bros. Uh, that we'll talk about later. <laughs> um, yeah. And then Ash is important because she is my goth cowboy, uh, cowboy girlfriend. So that's just something <laughs> for me that's important. Ash is awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's funny too. Uh, one of my writers found this uh, site, or he found this post in like an old Blizzard forum from I think July of last year where some guy was like, what if we made like a female McCree and she had like a buckshot? And she had a shotgun as a secondary and basically called this character like a year ago. So that was wow. pretty interesting. So I was like, man, he would not shit on that one. Yeah. When I'm, I'm not in the Overwatch scene. So whenever people are talking about like potential Overwatch characters, I, I never know what they're talking about. Like, cause, cause they're bringing up <laughs> some, something like, Hey, th- this side character from a comic based on it, like that could be a thing. And I would always think, wait, what? No, <laughs> they would never. And then they do. So, like, I, yeah. I guess, like, it is worth looking at all the extra canon mm-hmm. material that they put out for Overwatch. Well, yeah, because there was even two. So, like, the last few weeks, people have noticed that one of the... So, for people who don't play uh, Overwatch, there's a game mode where you have to basically escort... A, they call it a payload. It's mm-hmm. just like a car that you have to escort across the map. So, people have noticed that on one of the maps something was breaking off of the payload and it was kind of acting different and looking different. And Blizzard's done this before where certain things, when they announce characters, parts of the maps will change because there's lore in all of these maps. Like Overwatch actually has a surprising amount of lore for just being like a first person like MOBA game. Um, So they noticed that something was happening with the payload. And then in the trailer where they first showed Ash, they also showed what was going on with the payload and introduced this new character called Echo, which will probably be the next hero that will actually come to the game. So we kind of, and 
most of the times we, we're just kind of like, all right, who's the next hero? And it's like something random we've never seen before. But this one's going to be kind of interesting because we actually know who the next hero is. They just haven't made her abilities and stuff yet. So we kind of know what's coming up next for Overwatch heroes. Cool. Um, so those were all of the things people liked. Uh, <laughs> there was another thing that people didn't. Uh, you want to talk about that, Wyatt? Yeah, so so earlier, you know, I mentioned that I played Diablo. I've been playing Diablo 3 since it came out six years ago. And even before that, I played Diablo 2. Um, so I, I, I love that franchise. So it's been six years since the last Diablo came out. Um, they announced, let's see, 2000, I think 16 was when they did the Reaper of Souls expansion. Um, actually, no, 15 was Reaper of Souls. 2016 was a new class which is like cool, but not like a huge announcement. And then last year they did like this anniversary event where they're like, here, you can play this like old map that was in the first Diablo. And it's just kind of like, okay, that's, that's cool. So this year everyone's like, cool. Like maybe we'll get some, you know, some teases about a new Diablo, you know, like Bethesda, they announced Elder Scrolls six, even though we know that's not coming out for like four or five years. Sure. Um, so people are like, hey, maybe we'll see something, you know, for Diablo 4. So Diablo guy comes on stage. Diablo's on the screen. Everybody's like, okay, here's the moment. And then he's like, the guy's like, yeah, you know, so as as the generations kind of go on, everyone has phones, you know, and things have gone mobile. And you could just hear this audible groan from the audience. And then sure enough, <laughs> they announce Diablo Immortal, which is a mobile game. That they're trying to push as a full-fledged action RPG, but it's a mobile game. Um, that actually, coincidentally enough, is what people are basically... They have found it's almost a, a direct reskin of a mobile game from China. Oh. Um, like, they found the like like images of this other action RPG from China. Like, the interface looks the same kind of it's the same type of thing i mean obviously that game was kind of like birthed from diablo because diablo is kind of like the grandfather of all the action rpgs but this particular interface that they're using for diablo immortal looks almost just like a complete reskin of this chinese game um so people are not happy about it um because you know blizzard you're expecting big things this is blizzcon this is supposed to be the biggest event this is their biggest event of the year and they kind of they gave us a mobile game and mobile games don't really tend to to work out well for this kind of hardcore audience sure yeah uh yeah <laughs> i think ea discovered that at, at a3 with command and conquer didn't they mm -hmm. um, yeah exactly i mean this is almost an exact parallel yeah, yeah. and it made me wonder about i mean there was some there was some reactions that were a little maybe a little too uncharitable if I can put it that way, but it does make me wonder like when they were, when they were planning this and, and thinking about the announcement and how they were going to word it and, and present it. I mean, they had to have known how this would go down with this particular audience. Yeah. Is it okay? So is, is this game a gotcha game? Is this a thing that uses traditional mobile uh game design or is this essentially just a diablo game on a phone 
I mean, they haven't talked like specifically about what we're going to see, but the way they're they're talking about it is as if it is a traditional Diablo game just on a phone, which wouldn't be terrible, like as long as it doesn't have all of the normal like microtransaction yeah. kind of mm, bits. Yeah. Um so like, you know, initially I wasn't that against it out the gate. Like I was of course disappointed because like I want a new Diablo, like I want something new to play um but i was like okay like i could you know mobile game may not be that bad but most people are because you know this is the hardcore of the hardcore you know blizz blizzard yeah. fans so for them this is like any mobile game even if it's turns out to be you know an amazing game but if it's just a mobile diablo that's that's not going to be enough for them yeah interesting i um i don't think i sympathize with the anger then in that case um i mean like if, if it had the traditional mobile stuff like uh like turn countdowns that you need to replenish over time just by waiting mm-hmm. or gotcha mechanics or or uh excessive microtransactions or free-to-play stuff yeah that isn't usually in the diablo series then like for sure but without that stuff this is just a they just announced a new platform for the series i i don't know how I, yeah I mean, yeah, I, yeah. it's it's probably people are like doom and glooming and saying that well, it's a mobile game. Of course, it's going to have all of those things like time gates, and you're going to be able to buy good gear and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's more of people just kind of being very jaded about yeah. mobile games in general, yeah. rather than just kind of taking a step back and thinking about like what this is, you know. So. I mean, it's partially on Blizzard, though, right? <laughs> Whether or not it's it's deserved, uh, the the feedback, the rough feedback they're getting, they they should have known their audience. <laughs> they they should have yeah, been more. Like, if it doesn't have microtransactions, they should have explicitly said that. Uh, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because like you said, like this is something where it's I don't know how they couldn't have seen this coming. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was so bad that there was actually a Q and a, uh, cause they are like at blizzard, you know, there's the main opening ceremonies, but they have panels for all of the different games throughout the, the two days of the event. So there was a Q and a that they had for Diablo and someone asked, you know, do you, have, do you have plans to ever bring this game to PC or is this going to be something that we can only ever play on our phones? Um, and they were like, well, you know, we're, we really, like, everyone's got phones these days and, you know, we're, we're really proud of kind of what we're going to be able to do. So this is something that we don't have any plans to bring to um, to bring to, to PC. And literally the entire, you know, however many thousand people were there, everyone started booing. Like, I've, I don't yeah. think I've ever heard boos at BlizzCon before to this magnitude. So, yeah, it, it's just, it's kind of... It feels a little bit tone deaf yeah, from sure. from them. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier. Like, I, I just feels like Blizzard has been kind of spinning their wheels for a little bit. Because, you know, the last new thing that they announced was Overwatch. And that was announced in 2014. Um, so, for the last four BlizzCons, there hasn't actually been, like, a new game. There's just been new expansions, new Overwatch characters, um, you know, new remasters, but there hasn't been anything that's actually new 
So I, it just feels like at this point they just need something. Like next year, if, if there isn't a Diablo 4 or a Warcraft 4, like I'm just not sure what exactly it is that they're doing. Because it's like there's only – you're going to get your hardcore people that are going to keep coming. And, like, of course, Overwatch is still going to continue to make money. You know, uh, World of Warcraft is still going to have millions of subscribers. But eventually, that well is going to run dry. And it just seems like they need to do something sooner rather than later. Like, do something before everyone gets really pissed off. So that way, you still have people who are open to things. Rather than it them announcing something and just having people be like, Oh well, it's about time you announce it. Like you want to get a positive sure. reaction if you announce yeah. something yeah. new. Yeah, bad timing, bad, bad uh, venue, bad pretty much everything. I I, yeah. I guess at that at this point for Blizzard, it would seem really weird for Blizzard to announce anything at any other time of the year. Um, you know, BlizzCon. I mean, that's what they did with. That's what they did for StarCraft Remastered, though. Which did they? Is, which is, yeah, like, that wasn't announced at BlizzCon. Um, well, then there's no excuse. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, I don't know, like, why why did they choose to not announce that at a BlizzCon, but they did announce a mobile Diablo at a BlizzCon. Like, it just feels very odd. Yeah, well, I have, I have a friend who works at Blizzard on the community management side of things, so I really hope that's going all right <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh let's move on to meeting up with my girlfriend ash from overwatch at hot topic okay so um hey ash how's it going oh she's pretending i don't exist you know happens uh okay the entire smash bros roster didn't leak Kind of. It kind of did. It's it's not the one that we thought it was. Um, so, Wyatt, you were on this show last week with me. We were talking about <laughs> the Grinch leak, which for anyone yes. who didn't listen because they were worried about spoilers, haha, <laughs> there weren't it any. It doesn't matter now. You missed the whole block of the podcast for nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so if you didn't know what that is, basically it was a very legit looking fake leak that had Banjo Kazooie, Isaac from Golden Sun, Chorus Kids from Rhythm Heaven, Gino from Super Mario RPG, Mock Rider, um, Ken from Street Fighter, and Shadow the Hedgehog, all as the remaining characters to be part of Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Which was really exciting because at that point we had thought that okay sakurai said at e3 there weren't going to be very many characters compared to last time uh, so don't expect very many and then he also said that they're slowing down reveals after isabel so we really expected there to be like two or three left at most and then this leak comes out that says no seven whoa so confirmation bias just wanting it to be true um, the fact that it totally looked true and there wasn't exactly anything that could disprove its legitimacy led a lot of people, including myself, um, to believe that it was true. It was not true. Uh, In the slightest. Not, not even a little. Well, I guess a tiny bit because Ken from Street Fighter did That's end true. up That's being true. real. But 
um, the actual real leak that leaked what this game was was the same leaker that we were talking about in past um, episodes, especially ones that I did with Jeff Onan about speculating what the um, what the roster was months ago. With um, Vergeben basically said Incineroar for sure, Ken for sure. And then I've heard some other stuff about a Square Enix character that might be DLC. So, that happened. So it looks like a Square Enix character is DLC. Like, I have to take everything he says 100% legit now. It's it's absolutely <laughs> true. Um, but before we, we talk about any of that bit, let's, let's talk about what was actually talked about at the, at, at, at the Nintendo Direct on uh, Thursday. So, Ken from Street Fighter is an echo of Ryu. How do you feel about that? That's to me. That's just like, yeah, of course they did that. It's it's pretty obvious. It's not entirely exciting, but it's like, yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, it seemed logical, and I think the the funniest part about it is a lot of people in the actual like Street Fighter community are upset because this Ken looks better than he does in Street Fighter 4 and 5. So, like, they're, like, <laughs> jealous of Smash that they get this cool art style for Ken and the Ken that they actually play with looks kind of weird. That's, that's interesting. Uh, <laughs> huh. Yeah, when they when they showed the... Uh, in the direct, when they showed the little clip of Ken and Ryu fighting, just the two of them fighting, I'm like, oh, wonder if Capcom's taking notes. That looks good. Yeah, right. <laughs> cool. I, I I'm glad they're they're uh well it jealousy is a kind of happiness. Um huh? <laughs> I'm glad they're happy about it. Uh the last full newcomer for the game, uh Ken doesn't count, he's an echo, so the last unique newcomer before any DLC was Incineroar, the fire dark type Pokemon from Generation 7, which is Pokemon Sun and Moon. Uh, he is a wrestler type thing. He's a grappler kind of character. Smash Bros, despite having nearly 80 characters in the roster, has never had a grappler. Um, that's that's where we are. That's that's how it is. That's where it's left off. How do you feel about Incineroar? I uh, well, my analysis is totally shallow because I just like the fact that he does the little victory pose after every move. And yeah, <laughs> you can cancel that. You can cancel that animation, so you're not left open for attack. That's gr- yeah, I like that a lot. That's great. Um, I I I've, I think I echo what a lot of people are saying about Incineroar, which is that um, he looks really fun to play as. He's got his own uh, unique play style. He fits in with Smash Bros. That said, he's not the most popular Pokemon that that generation has. There are a lot of other options that they could have gone with to represent those games. And because there's so many Pokemon now, the chances of them taking another Sun and Moon Pokemon are nearly zero. So it was Incineroar instead of all of those more uh, popular Pokemon. And really... It was Incineroar instead of any other character that they could have put in as the last revealed character. Um, so I, I don't hate Incineroar at all. I, I think he looks pretty cool. But 
just ending on Incineroar and like having yeah. that be the last reveal yeah. is a little bit of a soggy taco. I think that's what kind of <laughs> bothered me a little bit because you know I was watching it and you know they now they show both of those guys <clears throat> and then you know Sakurai is like, all right, that's it, that's your full roster, and I'm like, wait, what? Like, yeah. <laughs> that, like that's how you go out like you know it feels like if that was going to be what they were going to do they should have saved like someone like simon or or something like that for the end like i realized they kind of wanted to because it was such a long wait they wanted to kind of give people something like in between and since we're so close like it's not that big of a deal but it just feels like for that final release it should have been somebody that had people being like yeah like king k rule or something like that yeah i, w- I was saying yeah if you okay so that august direct had the two belmonts crom mm-hmm. and dark samus were talked about as um as echo fighters just individually and then it ended with k rule yeah if you swap crom dark Som- samus and k rule and put them in this one and then put that incineroar and ken trailer at the end of the august direct I think that would have gone down a lot better because people like Krom and Dark Samus and uh, it looks like K. Rule won the ballot and they didn't harp on that in the direct but they could have like they could have said and for our final character we'd like to uh, show you the character that actually won the smash ballot back in 2015 your choice that would have felt really good to end it on Uh, even if K. Rule is Mm -hmm. not like the most powerful brand name He's like he doesn't have household rec- uh, recognizability. I think that just yeah. would have felt better. Um, but that that's more of an argument against the presentation of the direct rather mm-hmm. than the actual yeah. content of the game. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Altogether, this roster is still amazing, and the yeah, fact I mean, that it has someone I don't really characters. care about doesn't make it worse. Yeah, yeah. So good. Um, so, so that was the last characters in the base game, but they did announce that the game will be uh, getting DLC, which was not a surprise. Uh, yeah. They First, they said, okay, so there's going to be five DLC sets we're going to do for the game. where You can get a season pass, or you can buy them individually. Uh, with a pass, it's $25. Individually, it would sum up to $30, so it's not that crazy either way. Um and each set is going to have a character, a stage, and music for that stage. But before that happens, there's going to be a free gift DLC. It's not one of the five. It's its own thing happening between the base game and the DLC official. Uh, so what is it, you guys? You tell me. What is this character? It's a plant. Yeah, man. <laughs> it's it's a plant. Yeah, it's... <laughs> It's it's one of the they've got so many characters in there now that they finally put in my favorite, the turnip from Super Mario Brothers two. This felt like a troll, honestly. It felt extremely like a troll. Because like especially after you know we all got debated by the whole you know Grinch League, and then he he's like okay one more character, and it's literally this plant like swinging around and like hitting things, and and the whole. And the whole thing, I just felt like, I was like, I feel like these characters getting beat up by this plant right now, because this is just like, just kind of Sakurai <laughs> laughing in our faces, being like, ha you guys got baited. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm just trying to imagine, like, 
news from summer of 2020 or something where I'm reading a headline on Super Jump that says uh, Piranha Plant player takes home gold at Evo. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, like, that'll, that'll be funny. Um, every Smash game has had a humorous character to, to it. Like, if not a full joke, at least some level of comedy to it. Uh, Smash 4 had Wii Fit Trainer and Duck Hunt Dog. And the first Smash Brothers game had Jigglypuff. So it's it's not completely unheard of to just have a joke character in Smash Brothers, and usually yeah. it's just one character out of the roster, and that's what this is too. Um, but just like there, it it was this paired with people already not being the most excited about Incineroar and Ken that I think it, it it got a lot of people a little frustrated. It was nowhere near Doom or Diablo Etern- uh, Immortal versions yeah. of, of of hatred. But people were just like, dude, come... First you tell me, my, my boy Isaac, or Banjo, or or uh, Gino, wh- whatever your favorite from the Grinch League is. First you tell me they're not in the game. They're deconfirmed. And now, you're telling me that not only is it a Pokemon I probably don't care about, but it's also Piranha Plant. The Piranha Plant from Mario games. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it's hilarious and I love it. <laughs> Uh, but I'm also that kind of person. <laughs> I could understand taking it a bit more seriously and not loving it. Um, I mean, I think it's yeah. like it's Smash Brothers. Like, while 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 there is a huge competitive scene, like you have to remember like how this game kind of started. Like, it was just a fun party game where all your favorite characters can just like fight and stuff. So like having a prana plan is not like that big of a deal and like who knows like it might be a god tier character we don't know his moveset yet sure i just going by (laughs) that it's a game where your favorite characters fight each other piranha plants no one's favorite character but that's fair (laughs) um but i think it it might be people already like what he looks like um i i might play him uh depending on how he feels when he comes out which is supposed Mm -hmm. to be around february of 2019 which means that between February and the next February, uh, one one year, they're going to release um, Piranha Plant and all five of the other DLCs. So that's six new DLC characters, and they're confirmed to be uh, n- none of them are going to be Echoes or clones. They're all going to be completely new characters, and none of them are going to be veterans because all the veterans are in the game already. So it's it's just completely one hundred percent new characters. Six of them. Uh, before February of 2020, which sounds pretty good to me. That sounds like a really good DLC cycle, and it's a lot cheaper than the Wii U DLC cycle. Um, if you remember on Wii U, buying everything, even the cheapest version of you could of it that you could, like buying it all in in bundles and stuff, for only one console, and it came out on two consoles, cost over seventy dollars. Was it really? Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, there was no season pass, so there were all. Oh, these, you said like, to buy them all individually. Yeah, yeah there there were all these like fighter bundles and me fighter costume bundles and stages, like all all this stuff that you would have to buy on its own. Um, so now I'm I'm so glad that they came out this time with a season pass. I know a lot of people are against season passes, but just. Like, most people are going to get all the characters just for when other people, like, come over to their house. It's not really mm-hmm. for whether or not you like a character. You just need to have all, have them all. 
Yeah, um, in like fighting games, season yeah. passes are just a thing. Like yeah. fighting games always have them because they're always adding new characters to their roster. Yeah, I I, un- I understand the the controversial nature of them. With you, you don't know what it's going to be, so you're paying for something you you're not sure about yet. Yeah, but it's fine, man. It's twenty five dollars for something that I'm sure is going to be worthwhile. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, like I, you look at like with Smash Four, like uh, Bayonetta, which was you know ended up being a huge problem, but it was like one of it was literally the best character in Smash Four, and it was a DLC character, so. Yeah, that's true too. Uh, it's likely that DLC characters, because this is just a problem with DLC and adding things to the game after the fact, are probably going to be among the most powerful in the game. So mm-hmm. if you want to stay competitive, you're going to have to uh, get the fighter pass. <clears throat> um, what else was there? Okay, one more thing. Um, actually, two more things. Th- this direct kind of sucked to watch <laughs> not because of <laughs> not necessarily because of unpopular decisions it was making with the roster but also just because it was poorly paced did anyone else get that like yeah it felt felt kind of off oh yeah they they wanted to tell you what spirits were spirits are this game's alternative to trophies there weren't there are not going to be any more trophies in the game apparently they were just too hard to make and i get that they're like high quality character models and there's a thousand of them, or whatever, and each of them have a bio that were written about them. I, I get that that's, like, way too hard. So what they are in this game instead are spirits, which are basically just JPEGs um, of, like, any character you can think of. They really have so many. Thousands of characters are spirits. I bet it's above, like, 2,000. I, I think you could probably say thousands. Yeah, hundred. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if, if there's seventy five actual characters, because they've got people from like Al Emmerich to Gutsman to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just just weird, 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 weird choices. Um, one of my favorite that I just saw out of the corner of the shot was was Metapod. Just Metapod's one of them. You can have it. Um, <laughs> and. Mm-hmm. Although they're not the quality of, of model or probably description that trophies were, they're now active things. So you can equip a trophy, or sorry, a spirit to your character, and then you could equip uh, support spirits to that spirit, and they can give you uh, boosts, and they can give you uh, special abilities, and you can play matches against characters that are using a specific spirit that are meant to emulate that spirit. There's a lot of uh, interesting stuff with spirits there, which is cool, and I'm, I'm kind of excited to see how it works, but man, the way they talked about it was so boring. <laughs> uh, yeah. Like, I, I took 30 seconds just now to tell you what spirits are, or probably longer, honestly, but... He took so, he took like twelve minutes. It was so long. It, is there? Yeah. And this is my this is my Smash history ignorance coming out. But has there ever been anything like this in the previous games? Because as I was watching this, I was thinking like it was getting so in depth, and there were there was like layer after layer to it, and it felt like they were describing this whole kind of RPG like component to the game yeah and i i I just wondered if i thought you know for for people that have been smash fans for years does this does it 
is this exciting or is this something <laughs> that kind of adds a lot of weight to something that doesn't need it? So there's been a couple things in previous Smash games, um, mainly Brawl and Smash 4, that are similar. Um, in Super Smash Bros. Brawl, just for the story mode, the subspace emissary, you could equip stickers onto the bottom of your character's trophy stand. And based on those stickers, each one would say, like, plus however many percent in uh, in health or plus however many percent in, in jumping power. You know, that kind of thing. And yeah. uh, so that, that happened. But that was just for that game. I don't think stickers returned at all for Smash 4. And then in Smash 4, characters had custom moves, if you remember that. Like, you could uh, you could have a Donkey Kong with a punch that creates a force of wind instead. And the and there there was no real um, story mode or anything in Smash Four to use that for, so that was just kind of whenever you wanted to invite people over and have a more relaxed, casual version of the game. Yeah, and then there was equipment for me fighters in that same game that was kind of the same as stickers. So what this is is just this game's version of that because stickers nor uh, neither stickers nor custom moves appear in this game uh but it's it it seemed like such a such a weird divergence i agree with you james until they showed world of light yeah so world of light is this game's adventure mode and it's they've clarified that it's not quite a story uh as much as subspace emissary was a story but it's it's just a, a a mode where you do go on an adventure mostly made up of different spirit battles so for this, where there's like a, you probably save your progress, you probably just explore this whole map and use a bunch of different characters and upgrade your character for this story mode, that's when that's when spirits started to make sense to me. Like, you're not going to use those yeah. spirits for matches against your friends, probably. You're just going to use them for this story mode. That's, that's the majority of what you're going to be oh, using yeah. them for. Um, yeah. and in that story mode you're going to have a ton of RPG like elements um, so speaking of that story mode it came with a cinematic where th- this was just so cool uh, I thought I really liked this yeah it was, it was nice um, God came down and decided he didn't like Nintendo characters <laughs> anymore <laughs> so he erased all of them from existence except Kirby who was able to get out of there in time. Sakurai bias, for sure. Uh, <laughs> so then when, when Kirby comes back to the world after everything happened, everyone's been raptured. Everyone's just a spirit. And, and that's like the story reason for why all of these spirits are possessing these vessels of Nintendo characters. Um, so, so that's like there's there's context and everything and the cinematic was great and they played a version of the main theme of the game uh except with vocals which i thought was a nice touch i don't know how much i like that song but uh yeah it, it was it was all great uh and that was the very end of the direct he didn't say anything else after that moment so what what did you think of, about that all in all a- anything i didn't bring up i think that was it 
Yeah, he he goes through yeah, like think... the help menu and stuff in the game. Like he he talks about so much. So I'm sure there's stuff I didn't bring up, but just anything you want to talk about in addition <laughs> to that. No, I just I mean I you know, as Wyatt said earlier, there was this long wait for the game and they obviously wanted to kind of break up the various announcements and reveals, but I'm just I mean, I know there's always more characters we could have and everything, but I, I'm just still blown away by how insanely massive this game is in every respect like not just the roster but the stages the modes sure. there are you know as i said about the spirits there's this whole kind of rpg mechanic system that in itself looks quite significant so um i'm just still shocked by the, the sheer scale of it yeah it's not often honestly that nintendo feels like they're making triple a games um zelda for sure and smash bros i would say are two of the the examples of when they absolutely do um yeah i mean especially because this one i mean not only does it have 75 character roster got these thousands of spirits but it has every stage it has like 900 music tracks like it's you know it's literally the entire smash package rolled up in one and it's and it's like the same price as like a normal smash like you know this is the same price that we bought for each individual smash but now we literally get everything which is pretty cool so i i I wanted to end this segment just by talking about what um we would like to see at for any one of those five dlc characters um we we have no idea what they could be they could be pretty much anything uh, although a lot of characters are pretty much deconfirmed by being assist trophies or other aspects of the game mm-hmm. already. I mean, maybe they aren't. Maybe they could still be in the mm-hmm. DLC. Who knows? Um, but, but okay, James, what would what character, what character would you really like to see as a DLC character for Smash Brothers Ultimate? Oh, look, mine is still definitely Banjo. Oh, great, yeah. Um, that that was probably the one thing about the the leak not being true that disappointed me. Um, <laughs> and I mean, it would be it would be awesome to have a DLC pack that has banjo as a character and that also has a banjo themed level as well. Sure, yeah, that would be amazing. So that that's still at the top of my list. I would have to imagine that the stages that come in those sets with the characters all have to do with the characters. I, I it, it would just make sense. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Wyatt? Uh, mine's Goku. I really would love to see Goku in Smash. I, it feels like it probably won't happen. Um, but, I mean, if we can get Cloud in there, like, why not Goku? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'd hate it. But <laughs> your reasoning is sound. <laughs> like, if, if Cloud is in the game... <laughs> You're right. I mean, like, especially because, like, Goku is already a fighter. Like, there's already another fighting game that he's in that you can you just kind of, like, pull a lot of his movesets from, like they did with Ken and Ryu. Um, so, like, I just think that would be really cool. Because it's, like, you know, it would feel like the, the you know, the next huge, really big crossover. Because there's been, you know, like, bringing in Cloud bringing in characters like like Ryu and, and Ken, those are were kind of like big moments in, in Smash history, just kind of like from a completely different franchise that really has nothing at all to do 
with Nintendo and like the rest of these characters. So it would just be kind of uh, kind of cool. And like Goku, you know, you could even have like cinematic because Goku just likes to fight people that are stronger than him. He could be like, oh my god, there's so many like powerful people here. Like let's fight. It just it would feel so. Perfect. Yeah, you could do a little ju- uh, like a joke where Goku thinks the most powerful person in the roster is Kirby. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I'm 100. percent Like you could do so. Like there's so many like directions you could go with with a trailer reveal like yeah so that's for sure i yeah (laughs) i'm 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 one of those old school purist types that that doesn't love the uh the journey (laughs) smash has taken away from nintendo but for sure like you're right um that it's clearly one of the ones outside of video games that are asked for the most maybe that and mickey mouse so that's mm-hmm. I, I could see it. Uh, Bandai Namco has the rights to Dragon Ball games, so I, yep. I could totally totally see it. Um, I didn't mean to ask this with the uh, w- with the hopes that James would back me up on mine, but uh, <laughs> mine is also of course <laughs> uh, Steve from Minecraft. So we're gonna wrap up the show. Uh, <laughs> listeners, you can write in at podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. That's podcast at superjumpmagazine.com. Why don't you write in and tell us what you want the DLC characters uh, to Smash, for Smash Ultimate to be? Uh, who, who's on Team Banjo? Who's on Team uh, Steve from Minecraft? Who's on Team Goku? Uh, that, that, that'll, be, uh, that'll be interesting to see if we get any uh, feedback on that. Uh, let's talk about our after school activities I'm talking now to remind myself in the edit to not put a a transition for after school activities this is our casual section (laughs) and that's why it has no musical transition that's always been the reason Um, my after school activity is the smash direct reaction from easy allies um, I, I really like the way Easy Allies reacts to, um, live announcements like that. I know it's just such a cheap thing to do on YouTube, but these guys are really well read in, in the, uh, industry that is video games. And I would say the reaction to this direct is pretty negative. So if you, if you don't really have a stomach for, for that kind of thing, go watch the one they did uh they 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 did one for the august direct where they were extraordinarily positive um on on that either of them are great i i love (laughs) they they're just my favorite reactors uh to to live news like that so james what is your after school activity so my um mine is 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 a bit of a weird one for me um i've been watching a couple of videos by a youtuber called king j um aka justin nelson i had never heard of him until i uh started watching his videos but he might be more well known among people who play tekken and street fighter he's he's a competitive player in both of those games um and he does like a whole bunch of different stuff around these fighting games but he's got a series of videos that are basically um Tekken 7 for beginners and they're just really really awesome to watch because like if you're a bit like me where you've been out of fighting games for a really really long time like I think the last fighting game I played kind of regularly was the original Soul Calibur so it's been ages 
um, you you sort of you can sort of feel like it's hard to get back into certain games, especially games like Tekken Seven that that I gather are you know a little bit less kind of casual or newbie friendly. Sure. Um, and these videos are awesome because they kind of they they literally take you step by step through things like you know just basic movement um you know how to sort of play defensively uh he goes through each character individually and kind of explains the the pros and cons of each one um and it's it's just a nice way of like easing yourself back into fighting games if you haven't played them for a long time like me great king j uh that's spelled j a e for for those wondering and Wyatt, what is your after-school activity? Um, so mine is, there is a YouTuber who goes by the name of The Exclusive Ace. He does uh, Call of Duty videos. So there's a bit of a controversy going on with Black Ops 4 right now because there is this, uh, um, it's basically, this, it's called the Black Market. And it's kind of like a Fortnite Battle Pass. I don't know if you guys are familiar with sure. that. Like the Battle yeah. Pass in Fortnite, you know, you spend yeah. like 10 bucks. You can level it up over the season. You get a bunch of emotes and outfits and all that kind of stuff. So Call of Duty has a similar system. Um, you don't have to pay for the like like you do for the Battle Pass, but I mean, but you pay for Call of Duty to get it, and that's kind of where the problem comes because the progression for this for the tiers is very slow. Um, I, there's 200 tiers in each like season. They're not called seasons, but each like event that they have that you can get these 200 tiers for lasts for about 50 days um and i've been playing almost non-stop since the game came out uh three weeks ago and so i probably put god maybe like 40 hours into the game i'd say at this point and i've gotten 25 tiers hmm. um so somebody did the math like i think you have to end up playing I think it's it's almost comes out to about like an hour per tier, um, which is just like a lot, which is like a ridiculous amount. Um, and of course, they just uh, introduce these things called Call of Duty points that you can pay for and you can speed up your progression. But to buy the entire 200 tiers, I think it comes out to like 200 bucks or something like that or 150 bucks, a lot of money um, for something that was... You know, they are already paying fifty or sixty bucks for the game, and then fifty bucks for the like season pass thing if you want to get that as well. So, um, exclusive Ace kind of does a video where he goes a little bit more in depth and talks about you know some of the the good things about the systems, the bad things, um, how he would improve it, and all that kind of stuff. So definitely check that out if you're a Call of Duty fan, or if you just want to hear more like basically what is loot box drama. Sure. Okay, great. Uh, exclusive Ace on the Call of Duty Black Market, King J on Tekken 7 for Beginners, and Easy Ally Smash Direct Reactions are our after-school activities for this week. Our theme song has been by Jamitar. Thank you so much, Jamitar. We really love it. Uh, remember to subscribe, review us on iTunes if you can, and tell a friend about the podcast if you're up for it. Word of mouth is still the best way our brand grows. So thanks for listening, and stay super! Ooh.